Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode. This is your host, Michelle Wright. Hope you're doing well today and your week has gotten off to a good start. Today's episode is entitled, No Creeps Allowed. What am I talking about? So, let me start off by what kind of inspired the theme for this episode. We had our yearly performance evaluations at my job and I did pretty well, you know, um, and I was able to get a pay increase. I qualified for what was the maximum percentage that they would do for this year. And I thank God for that. So I got to thinking what the pay increase actually meant, you know, so let's say they, um, my uh, pay will go up 2%. And so I'm like, okay, 2% pay increase. Now, back in the day, I would automatically think to myself, oh, okay, I'm going to make X more an hour. That means so much more a day, this much more a week, this much more a month. Ooh, that means I can buy such and such. That's how I used to think. Now, I will be honest, I did sit there and calculate how much more I'll be making every week and every month. However, now I realize that I need to take out the 8% for Social Security and Medicare. And I also need to take out my 20% that I give to God, my 10% that I save or invest. And then what's left over from that, that is something that I can actually spend big difference from how I used to think. The other thing is I thought about, okay, what's inflation? Because if this increase is less than inflation, over time, I effectively actually am not making more as in I don't have more purchasing power. I actually have less purchasing power. If the increase is equal to inflation, then it means I have the same purchasing power or I can maintain the same lifestyle, keep buying the same things. And if the increase is more than the inflation rate, I actually have increased purchasing power. So that is more effectively what we think of as getting a raise. We think of, oh, when I get a raise, that means I can afford more things. Um, that is only true if the raise is actually higher than the inflation rate. So what is the inflation rate? I'm glad you asked. So first of all, what is inflation? According to investopedia.com, inflation is the rate at which the value of a currency is falling. And consequently, the general level of prices for goods and services is rising. So in other words, if a currency, which is something that is used as a means of exchange to purchase goods and services, when a currency goes down in value, it can't purchase as much as it could before the drop in value. So therefore, it costs more for a certain item or a certain service because they want more of that currency in order to give you the good or service. 
we all know that the price of a candy bar gas and a pair of jeans is not the same as it was when we were kids right i don't know about you but i can remember a 40 cent candy bar and i'm still working on accepting the fact that a regular candy bar take like costs like 80 cents or 79 cents at walmart i've mostly accepted it but it's still a little tough for the girl still a little tough so that's inflation the value of the dollar goes down and in every country there's inflation but we're in america i'm in america so the value of the dollar goes down a little bit every year and therefore it takes more of those dollars to purchase things now we have a definition of inflation it's the drop in value of a currency which in turn causes the prices of goods and services to go up so what's the inflation rate that is the pace by which the value falls but don't just take my word for it let's ask investopedia okay inflation rate according to myaccountingcourse.com inflation rate is the percentage at which a currency is devalued during a period this devaluation is evident in the fact that the consumer price index increases during this period the inflation rate is an attempt to measure the change in the currency value over time by comparing a list of standard products and that that list of standard products is called the consumer price index uh, some of the products that are used are milk bread and gas the prices for these items are tracked over time and an increase in these products prices over time shows that the money used to buy these products is not worth as much as it used to be so if the prices are going up it's because the money is not worth what it was and so it takes more of the money to buy these particular products so the rate by which these prices are going up which indicate the value of the currency is going down that is the inflation rate and it's expressed in a percentage so next question is what is the inflation rate right now what is the actual inflation rate for us here in america so according to statista.com The infl oh. So according to Statista.com, the inflation rate for 2019 was 1.81%. The inflation rate for 2020 is projected to only be 0.62%. I say projected, and of course we're in 2021. 
Um, apparently, the official data has not been calculated for 2020 because, hey, you know, it was it did just end a few months ago. So and the projected, interestingly enough, the projected inflation rate for 2021 is 2.24 percent. So the value of the dollar um, is expected to end up having only gone down 0.62 percent last year but it's expected to go down 2.24% this year. So with my 2% raise, I actually can only afford slightly less than I was purchasing last year. Why is all this important? What difference does it make? What's the effective result of all of this? Well, that's where the creep thing comes in. Forbes.com has an article entitled The Slippery Slope of Lifestyle Creep and how to avoid it. Now, if you're like me, you probably had not heard of lifestyle creep growing up. So I read a couple of articles on what's called lifestyle creep. Lifestyle creep is when your expenditures, your spending goes up in relation to, and not always direct correlation, um, not always an equal measure, but um, your life, your spending goes up with your pay increases. So the more money you make, the more money you spend. An article on financial. So one of the articles that I read was on financialgym.com and it's entitled how to prevent lifestyle creep. And it reads in part, if your job gave you a raise next week, what would you do with the extra cash? Would you order the most expensive wine bottle in your celebratory dinner? Go on a shopping spree and buy things you never thought you could afford? For many people, the natural excitement that comes with additional income results in an innate. For many people, the natural excitement that comes with additional income results in an innate desire to spend more. This phenomenon, this phenomenon is called lifestyle creep. And it talks about how your concept of what is enough 
and how much you need and how you spend and what you will pay for things can change when your income increases because you think, oh, I can afford this now. Oh, I can do this now. And if you're not careful and you just do this mindlessly without any forethought, then what ends up happening is even though you're making more money, you're not in a better position financially because you're not increasing your savings you're only inc or you're investing. You're only increasing your spending. So a few tips that this article gives for preventing lifestyle creep are number one, create a goal based budget. So, for instance, if you know you want to buy a house or you want to save up for a wedding or pay wedding expenses that you use credit for, if you know that you want to start a family and start having a baby or, you know, you want to go on a trip, whatever the case may be, or perhaps invest in a business, finally get something trademarked, buy some equipment, whatever it is that, you know, is going to be a big expense. That is a goal. And so your budget should be based on that goal, meaning, you know, you have to pay your daily expenses. If you have some debt, you need to pay on that. But you also need to set aside some money so that at some point you will accumulate enough to achieve that goal. Another thing you can do is surround yourself with like minded people. And the article says in part. Sometimes many of the decisions we make financially are not made with ourselves in mind, but rather for the people in our lives. For example, your circle of friends might want to make weekly happy hour plans at a swanky restaurant. Even though you know it will be an expensive event, you may feel inclined to join in as a way to be included. Uh, I've definitely had to deal with this uh, being uh, a single mom, not making a whole lot of money. Um, I'm doing better now uh, than I was the previous, let me see, how do I say this? The past couple, uh, the past, let's see. So I moved, I started working for a new company in 2018 and that gave me a pay increase. And of course, I've gotten increases every year, thank God, uh, because my performance evaluation is always good. So at this point, I just make a smidgen over 30000 a year. Most of my life, I was more in the mid-20s with two kids. So there were many times when people wanted to go do something, they want to go out to eat, They're, everybody wants to go eat after church. Uh, they're taking the kids to Chuck E. Cheese, whatever the case may be. So there were many times when I had to say to myself, mm, I can't do that because if I do, I'm not going to have money for this. Or if I do, then I'm not going to have something set aside. And so for me, I really do like to hang out with my friends. I like to do things and I hate to say no when somebody asks me to do something. I hate to disappoint. I hate to turn people down. So um, it used to be hard for me. Um, but over time, I realized that I was being responsible and I was just being honest. And that it's not the end of the world if I can't go to 
every outing or even most of the outings. That's okay. Especially because your true friends can find other time, other ways to spend time with you. And the relationship is not based on how many times you can go to a restaurant or to a theme park. So um, having people around you that respect what you're trying to do and what you're trying to accomplish and that have at least some similar interests. So even if they do like to go to certain things or certain events, they also can just hang out at the house or y'all can do like a movie night at somebody's house or y'all can kick it at the park or go for a walk. Um, if you have friends like that and you are in circles like that, then it's going to make it much, much easier to stay away from the creep. Another tip, avoid scrutinizing social media. Sometimes we can be swayed by the things that we see posted online. Uh, there are a lot of advertisements that, you know, say we need to go take this trip. We need to buy this thing. We need to treat ourselves. We're going to be the envy of our neighbors, etc., etc. And then, of course, people post, you know, the coolest, nicest, you know, swaggiest things as far as, you know, the new outfit, their car, their vacation, they're going out to eat and it's like, oh man, I want to do, I need to go do that too. And so consciously or consciously, we can see these things and it prompts us to purchase. It prompts us to buy. And particularly with advertisements, they have studied us. They continue to study us, our patterns, our behaviors, what websites we're visiting. And so they send us the ads that are most likely to trigger that dopamine for us to say, oh, I want that. So you have to be careful about social media and the internet. Another tip to avoid the creep, visualize your goals. The article says in part, with the power of, <laughs> with the power of visualization, you can start seeing yourself achieving the goals that you had in mind. A way to do this is by creating a vision board. For me, uh, vision boards are a little bit laborious. I like the idea, but I'm just not artsy and creative in that sense. Uh, but the, my, one of my favorite vision boards that I made was a couple of years ago, and I actually used mostly words. And I picked words that meant something to me, put them on there attractively, and then had a couple of pictures. And that really worked for me. But the point is, see yourself achieving the things that you want. Take time to think and actually imagine it. And it makes it more real to your brain and therefore motivates you to handle your money in such a way that you can achieve those things. And the last tip, treat yourself strategically. So the article says that once you have a budget, it's easier for you to put money towards your financial goals. But if you do want to treat yourself, then you set aside some money every month into a me fund or uh, Dave Ramsey uh, calls it. I forgot what he calls it. Not a slush fund. Uh, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, just put that is in your budget. Uh, blow money. That's what he calls it. Blow money. So, you know, I'm just going to blow this. I'm going to spend it on whatever. I can be random with it. Just go ahead and plan that in, as odd as that may sound, um, so that you don't have to feel guilty. You're, you're taking it out of your play money, your fun money, whatever you want to call it. So when you spend that, 
it's okay. You haven't blown anything. And I will in another episode, a future episode, um, let me know if you are interested. Um, there are different types of budgets based on your personality and your circumstances. If you're married, you know, something that works for both of you, 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 there's different ways that you can handle your money. So there's no one size fits all. So it's really important to figure out a way that will help you do what you need to do. And that actually works for you. That's the most important. It's not as important which method you choose as it is that you choose something that's going to actually help you be financially stable and be happy at the same time. Now, second article that I'm going to uh, look at concerning lifestyle creep is from FamilyBudgetExpert.com. And the title is Lifestyle Creep. Don't avoid it. Enjoy it and save more money, too. So in this article, the writer talks about the 50-50 rule. And it starts off, we often feel like we have to choose between enjoying that hard-earned raise or bonus versus choosing to save or pay off debt with it. Lifestyle creep becomes the default and can get us into trouble. Want to know a secret? You can do both at the same time, responsibly. So I really really enjoyed this article and I like the approach uh, that this writer has come up with and is presenting. In this article, he starts off giving some examples of lifestyle creep. He starts off giving some examples of lifestyle creep. Upgrading your car, buying a bigger house, dining out more often, staying in nicer hotels on vacation, making major purchases when expecting a baby, getting the kids more expensive toys and electronics, and impulse buying. Now, again, in the previous article, it mentioned treating yourself responsibly or strategically with a plan. So, for instance, with the staying in the nicer hotels, if you've gotten a raise, you may say, okay, on this particular trip, I'm going to you know, stay in this type of suite or this type of hotel, or I'm going to get this package on this one trip. And that's going to cost me X amount of dollars, but I still have X amount of dollars from my increase increase that will go into my 401k or that will go into my savings account. The issue is when we have a mindset, oh, oh I make more money now. And we just have this general idea and feeling that I have more money, I make more money, I can spend more, I can afford more as an ongoing lifestyle. And so every time we book a trip, we do the nicer hotel. Every time we rent a car, we upgrade the class, whether we need it or not. That's where lifestyle creep comes in and that's where we get into trouble, as opposed to a one-time or strategically repeated additional expense. So what does this writer suggest instead? For any extra income you get, you take 50% of it and add it to what you're currently saving or investing or paying or using to pay off debt. The other 50%, you just spend on whatever you want. Simple. So let's say that you are in your, um, let's say you got a raise and you're going to make an extra $50 a month. That means you have an additional $25 a month to put into your savings or your investments or to pay off a debt. 
and you have an extra $25 to spend on whatever you want. And you just know, hey, I got $25 play money. Now, a caveat that I will add is remember, in reality, whatever it is that you make gross, that's not what you take home. So you have your taxes that is going to come out of that. So with that $50, you automatically got at least like 8% that comes out for Social Security, Medicare, etc. About $4 is gone. So you're actually going to have 46 that you bring home. If you have automatic deductions for your 401k through your job, uh, pre-tax or post-tax, either way, that money is going to come out automatically. So your $50 a month may actually be $45. It may be $43, $40 by the time it actually gets into your bank account. And that's really important because if you're thinking to yourself, oh, I got an extra $50 next month. So I'm going to go splurge on such and such, but you actually only get an extra $40 in your bank account. You end up in a deficit and then you don't understand what happened. And I will tell you, this is something that I've been very guilty of. I'm a little bit better about it, but uh, what happens is if I don't write things down and plan things out periodically, this is what happens. I know I'm expecting some extra money, particularly if it's like income tax or something, uh, Christmas money or something like that. I spend the money more than once. So I know I got a hundred dollars, you know, from a sibling or something for Christmas, or I got birthday money and I add it all up and, you know, I got a hundred dollars. And so in my mind, I'm like, oh, well, you know, my daughter wanted this and I want to treat myself to this. And then I want to give something over, you know, to this or buy some Girl Scout cookies or whatever it is. And so, like, oh, okay, yeah, okay, well, that's that's eighty dollars. So yeah, I can do that. And then I still have twenty dollars that I can spend on something else. So then I go eat at a restaurant or whatever and spend the twenty dollars. But then a few weeks later, I again think to myself, oh, well, you know, I got I got that extra hundred dollars, so I can do this and this and this, and I actually spend more money than came in or. Since I don't use credit cards, it's not really that I spent more money than came in. It's I spent it on the wrong thing. So then when a bill comes around, it's like, ooh, it's really tight. I don't have a cushion in here anymore. Or I spent more than I should have. And now this bill has hit before my next check hits. And so that has happened more times than it should have. <laughs> I just tell the truth. So that's another thing you have to watch out for. But the main point is just, um, like I said, just remember whatever your windfall is, um, especially if it's or if it's coming, if it's coming through your paycheck and it's a raise, you have to account for your taxes and any other deductions that you have coming out automatically. If it's a windfall and you also want to account for whatever your giving is. So whatever you're giving to God, putting in church, you know, remember that that's, you know, that's part of it too. I've taught my kids since they were coming up, you know, birthday money, etc. cetera. Uh, when they were really little, I can't remember if I made them do it, uh, for Christmas and stuff. But, um, after they got a certain age, teenager, I said, Hey, birthday money, Christmas money, pay your tithes on that as well. But if it's a windfall, income tax, birthday money, etc., you want to think about, okay, what, you know, what do I give to God? Then, after that, you got your 50-50. Me personally. Now, you may look at it as you take your whatever you give to God 
um, out of the 50% that you do the responsible things with. Uh, but me personally, I do it off of my gross of anything that comes in. So in this article, which again is on familybudgetexpert.com, he actually has a table that shows you what happens over time when you either save the additional money that you get over the course of the years or you spend the additional money over the course of the years. So for example, it shows that if you make $150,000 and you spend $8,750 every month, and then over the course of 10 years, your income goes up to $201,587, but you increase your spending to equal what your increase is, increase is, obviously your net worth never goes up. So it shows that even over a course of 30 years, you go from making $150,000 to $364,089. But if you keep increasing your spending by a certain amount, your net worth doesn't go up. If you don't save any of the money, that additional money that you're making, then your net worth's not going to go up. Now, of course, if you have a house, the, you know, houses, you know, the, that goes up. If you are already investing something and you just don't, and you just stay investing the same amount, your investments will go up. But this is just a strictly a cash-based table. Now, on the other hand, if you use the 50-50 rule, on the other hand, if you use the 50-50 rule and you take half of the increase and save or invest it, and then half of it and spend it, when you go from 150,000 a year to 201,587 dollars, you increase your monthly spending a little bit, but you also increase your savings. So you save an extra fifteen hundred dollars and five cents, and you spend an extra fifteen hundred dollars and five cents. Over the course of ten years, your net worth will increase by ninety-eight thousand dollars. And you still got to enjoy some of the money with some fun things, but you also saved. So I really, really, really love this. Of course, anybody that's really conservative or, you know, super careful, etc., or maybe more disciplined or whatever the case may be, or their values are different. You know, they were like, hey, no, don't, you know, don't spend fifteen hundred of it. Just spend like, you know, two hundred. Yeah, that would be nice, but if you don't want to do that, this is way better than just spending all of it and not increasing your net worth. So I love that this gives a happy medium and something that I feel like is very realistic for people to do. So this is definitely something that I'm going to be looking at doing. Um, I do know that I will be getting another stimulus check. If you go back to a previous episode, I talked about what I did with... Um, the last one that I got, well, I talked about what I did with the, the other two. And so for this one, uh, I think I'm just going to, I'm going to do the 50, 50 rule on this one and put half of it in savings and then half of it, just, you know, do what I see fit. Nothing crazy. You do a little bit of fun, but you know, just do some other things that I want to take care of. And at the end of the article, it talks about different things that the 50, 50 rule would apply to. Uh, tax refunds, bonuses, cash bonuses, um, daycare expense that you no longer have to pay. And this is something that we kind of don't think about sometimes as well. So 
uh, let's say you got a kid that's in daycare uh, they go to kindergarten so now you only need aftercare instead of you know the full week and we all know whew, that's a big bill so once junior goes off to kindergarten and your daycare bill drops you now have additional income coming in or not additional income coming in you have a reduced expense and so what do you do with that money instead of just automatically spending it on something and perhaps instead of just automatically saying oh we got to put all of this in savings now or we got to put all of this towards debt take half of you were spending it already on something so take half of that money that you were using for, that you will no longer have to pay towards daycare and just you know spend it as just discretionary and half of it and put it towards your savings investing or debt payoff uh, credit card debt and past due bills um, according to this writer you should wipe out credit cards and past due bills as fast as possible so the 50 50 rule doesn't apply here after you pay off a debt put 100% of that past payment towards the next credit card or past due bill until all of them are eliminated which is the snowball method so they do stick to a more conservative and uh, quicker payoff mindset when it comes to credit card debt and past due bills when you don't have that bill anymore go ahead and keep using that money towards the same category of expense or responsibility which is paying off credit card debt and paying off past bills hospital bills for instance lab work bills uh, ambulance bills I think I have something in all of those categories that I have to take care of but anyway um, other debt payments now it says the 50 50 rule can apply here after paying off student debt an auto loan or a home equity loan feel free to keep half of the former payment going to build your wealth However, if you feel behind, take 100% and pay off more debt or increase the money going towards your savings and investment. So if I understand correctly, what he's saying is if you pay off a student loan or an auto loan or home equity loan, and now you don't have to spend that money on that loan anymore, then you may not want to use it to pay it, start paying off a different loan. You could just do the 50-50 rule. Um, Personally, to me, I feel like if you have a loan and you have credit cards and then you pay the loan off, then go ahead and use the loan to pay the credit cards off so you could knock that debt out. Um, I've not really been in that situation uh, because um, by the time I came out of forbearance with my loan, I didn't have any credit card debts. But, you know, that's just me personally, but whatever works for you. Large inheritance or gifts. So if you get a big inheritance or somebody gives you, you know, a gift of money, especially a nice amount, 50-50 rule. Half of it goes to savings and investments. Half of it goes to discretionary income. You can have fun with it, give it away, whatever you want to do. So again, uh, this article uh, uses the 50-50 rule. This is familybudgetexpert.com and the writer is rob bertman who is a cfa and a cfp so he is a financial uh, professional certified financial planner and those are just some things to think about when you're looking at you know raises uh, pay increases um, money that expenses that are dropping and so now you have more money that you can use for something these are just things to consider 
so that you can continue to win and, and reach your goals that you set for yourself. The article on financialgym.com does not have a specific writer listed. It says the financial gym team. So, okay, I guess they have this community thing going on. Good for them. Now, the last thing that I want to look at when it comes to thinking about avoiding the creep is a mindset from a biblical perspective. Um, what does the Bible say about money? What does the Bible say about life and how we're to live our lives that would help us be responsible with our money? I'm just going to reference a couple of different scriptures for you to think about and keep in mind that I think speak to the attitude that we should have when it comes to our finances and especially because our finances are so linked to everything else in our lives. Proverbs 19 and 17. Whoever is kind to the poor lends to the Lord and he will reward them for what they have done. Now, Jesus expands on this idea in Matthew chapter 25. Matthew 25 verses 31 and 32. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And verse 35 says, For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So here Jesus is using this parable to explain that when we take care of his brothers and sisters, which anybody who follows Christ becomes his brother and his sister. So when we take care of the fellow saints, then we are taking care of him because it's part of him. The body, the uh, church, the body of believers is a part of Jesus. So um, a lot of times you'll see charities and different organizations use the scripture to just say when we help somebody in need that we're doing that to Jesus or for Jesus. Uh, however, if you look at the scripture, it is he does actually say uh, these are my brothers and sisters. So the Bible is very clear that we are supposed to take care of each other as Christians. And then we do also care for other people. But we are definitely supposed to take care of those in the family of God. The most practical, I would even say efficient way to do that on a larger, broader scale is through your local congregation. So when we give a free will offering uh, of whatever amount that we have determined in our hearts, as the scripture says, and we give that to the church and they use that to help people in need, then we're helping to take care of our brothers and sisters. And then, of course, on a personal level, you know, if we see somebody is in need, if we see somebody maybe is struggling or 
maybe they're working really hard and they got their necessities and we know that they can't treat themselves. So maybe we, you know, get them a gift card, or we take them out to eat or get them an outfit or whatever the case may be. And I have definitely been a recipient of blessings like that. I'm not going to shout anybody out in particular, but you know who you are. Thank you. We need to make sure that we're doing that. And so that's something to keep in mind when it comes to how we handle our money and what we're doing with it. Just a couple of more scriptures on this note. And I'm reading from the NIV translation, by the way, using one of the best websites there is, Bible Gateway. I love Bible Gateway. Ephesians 4 and 28. Anyone who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work doing something useful with their own hands, that they may have something to share with those in need. I love this scripture. Don't get hung up on the first part that talks about anybody who's stealing must no longer steal. He's talking to people telling them that, but that's not the main point for me in this situation. For me, what sticks out is he says, not just stop stealing, not just work and do something useful, but he says work and do something useful so that you can have something to share with those in need. So he's telling the Ephesian church that when you work is not just to take care of yourself. You work so that you can have something to share with other people. That is the Christian mindset. Side note, if you look at history, uh, colleges and hospitals and many charitable organizations such as the Salvation Army and American Red Cross that are known for doing good and helping people um, many, many times, if not every time, they are started by people who believed in the Bible and or specifically identified as Christians because helping others, lifting people up, that is just something that Jesus embodies and has taught and expects of us. And he's looking down from heaven, encouraging us and expecting us and admonishing us to do that. All right. Last scripture that we're going to look at to help us with our money mindset. I encourage you to read Ephesians chapter 5 verses 1 through 10. I'm not going to read the whole passage for the sake of time. I'm just going to read a couple of verses out of here. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Now, what does it have to do with money? If we're living our lives according to scripture, we love the things that God loves. We hate the things that God hates. There are certain places we're not going to go. There are certain activities we're not going to engage in. There are certain things we're not going to do. 
So therefore, there are certain things that we're just not going to be attracted to or not going to indulge in. So therefore, there are certain things that we're not going to spend our money on. It's as simple as that. So when it comes to entertainment options, when it comes to trips that we take, when it comes to what people we hang out with and where we what types of places we're going to go, that is super important because there are certain environments and there are certain lifestyles that encourage a lot of spending, that encourage a lot of throwing away of inhibition. Alcohol, of course, is expensive. <laughs> um, you know, the whole clubbing life and everything, uh, that can get really expensive. The need to try to impress people, to try to show off, all of those things lead to excessive spending. They lead to getting wrapped up in materialism and vanity. And those are things that we just, as children of God, we shouldn't be wrapped up in those things. We shouldn't be involved in it. And if we indulge in a sinful and destructive lifestyle, not only does it cost us money, but it costs us our soul. So as the verse says, people who live immoral lives just have a lifestyle of certain, doing certain things. We, they do not have an inheritance in the kingdom of God. And so when we put God's kingdom and his priorities in prescription for our life first, that's going to eliminate a whole bunch of things. And I think that is the best prescription and the primary foundation for responsible financial decisions. To live a pure life, to live a life of intentionally giving and helping others and trying to please God. If you do that, then the other things stacked on top, such as budgeting, setting goals, planning out your expenses, making sure you're investing, making sure you're saving, all of those things will just multiply, magnify, and be blessed if we're walking in God's favor. And, and in be if we're walking in obedience to God, then when we add the other natural, practical, financial tips and strategies, then it's just going to be magnified and multiplied and blessed. So that's all I have for you today. I told you that we were you were going to get a long, full episode for this week. And I've definitely de delivered. I think this is one of my long, I think this is my longest episode, actually. So I just want to ask a few questions. I want to hear from you in the comments. I want to hear from you in the email or on Instagram. Tell me what you think about this topic about you know, no creeps, no lifestyle creep. What do you think about it? Have you noticed a lifestyle creep in your own life? Is it something that you have ever thought about? Do you think it's a problem in your life? When you get a raise, what's your first thought? What do you do? If you get some extra money, like a tax refund or um, unexpected windfall, what's your tendency? What do you do with it? If you're married, do you and your spouse think the same way? Is that a source of contention or do you work it out? Tell me what you think. I look forward to hearing from you. Again, email is michelle at 99waystowin.com. Make sure you go to Instagram. Follow me on Instagram at 99waystowin.com. If you're not on Instagram, that's okay. Just go ahead and sign up for my email list. Go to 99waystowin.com. You will see the sign up there. I'm looking forward to hearing from you. Until next time, keep seeking your success.